My name's Dave. I have a confession to make. It's not something I'm proud of, but it's something that I feel that I must do to maintain my sanity. And I'll tell you about that and a lot more this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Let's go. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you downloading it, and uh, we're going to get right to it. This is something that I confessed to somebody today, and I'd never really told anybody outside my tight little circle of like Steve or Fallon or maybe Weather Girl Jenny or my wife or a couple of close friends. Um, there is something that I have to do that I've used kind of as a, sur- not a survival tool. It's not a survival tool at all, a sanity tool. And here's what it is. I'm going to confess this to you because I want you not just salaciously to see like, oh, Dave does this shitty thing, but instead, so you can know that maybe it's okay for you to do something similar in your life to maintain your sanity. Here's what I do. I get a good amount of requests to host this or to appear at this or to speak here. And some of them I absolutely love to do. I'm doing a teacher fundraiser for um, uh, like the local school district here in a couple of months. I did Girls in Aviation Day a couple of weekends ago where I hosted an MC and things like that. Delano High School, the like one of the coaches or teachers asked me to come out and talk about aviation and flying in a couple of months. So I'm a couple of weeks. So I'm going to do that, too. And I love doing things like that. Here's the problem, though. And if you get requests to do things you just simply you can't do them all so here is kind of what I've done to kind of handle this and I've like I said I've never told anybody except I told somebody today that I met at girls at aviation day I said will you be on my podcast and I asked her like three weeks ago because she's fascinating successful and interesting and just amazing an amazing person And she's been busy and she doesn't really have time. And I said, listen, it's okay to say no. Just tell me no. And it's totally fine if you can't make it because I get it. I'm busy too. I said, and she said, no, I really want to. So here's what I told her. I said, I will admit that sometimes when somebody asks me to do something, will you host? Will you judge? Will you speak at this event? I just delete it. I look at it and it's long And I just delete it because it takes sometimes more energy than I'm willing to pour into something to have that I decline dialogue because the I decline dialogue goes something like this. Yeah. Hi, Cheryl. Yeah, I got your request to speak at the XYZ event um, on November 3rd from 5 until 8 o'clock. I'm sorry. I just can't make it. I really wish I could. Hey, thanks for um, uh, thanks for asking. And Cheryl being a wonderful, persevering kind of a person, will say, well, what if we moved it to the next weekend? What about a week from that day, same time, can you do it then? Uh, Now it's in my court again. Well, I might say, well, you know, unfortunately, I've got my great-grandma Eloise's birthday party at that time, and I can't make it. Then she's like, well, what about if I move it to the... So so you see how this dialogue can kind of go on and on. Or they'll say, well, that's... I'm sorry, you can't make it. Um, do you know somebody else who can? 
do you know anybody else in your at your radio station who can? And then it turns into a, well, let me ask Steve. Steve doesn't answer or Fallon is not able to or Jenny can't, whatever. So I'm. it's a terrible thing, but sometimes I just look at emails like that. I know I can't do it. I know that I don't want to do it, and I just delete it. How terrible of a person am I to do something like that? I mean, listen, I'm honored. I'm so flattered and honored to get asked to do things like that because a lot of people, they just don't. There's a lot of really wonderful people that just don't get asked to come and do things like that. And and I love doing it. And so I do as much as I can. But sometimes I just go, I'm not going to start the dialogue. And I've been doing this long enough to know when there might be a dialogue Usually the longer the email goes on, the more of a dialogue there will be. So I just click delete and I go and I do that thing where you brush your hands against each other like slap, 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 like I'm done. I wipe my hands of this whole thing. What do you think? Is that a terrible thing? Would you do the same thing? Have you ever done anything? What excuse do you do? That's one of the chapters in my book is let people say no. And I think I've learned that. But I think I might have read about that last week when I talked about a friend of mine in school that I kept saying, hey, why don't you come over? He said, no, I don't want to. Well, do you want to come over this day? No, I don't want to. I called him. He's like, didn't want to come over. Finally, I got the hint. He just didn't want to. And that's okay. So there's how we're going to start off the podcast with a confession this week. And like I said, in a couple of weeks, the woman that I was sharing this with today, um, she's going to be on the podcast because I don't know her story, but I know that she's got to have a story because anybody that successful and impressive has got a story. And I said, she's like, well, what do you want me to talk about? And I said, well, I want to hear a story that you learned a lesson from and then another story that you learned a lesson from and then another story where you failed and learned a lesson from or where you got ripped off, cheated, lied to, or had some amazing story that you learned something from because really isn't that what it's all about? Don't we learn more probably from our failures than we do our successes. All right, so let's move on here. Uh, just got back from a visit to Carson at college. He goes to, um, uh, God, I almost forgot it, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And we dropped him off six weeks ago. We had not seen him in six weeks, the longest we had not seen our kid. And, it, or, or, I mean, it's it's a long time. So we got there and we had a great time and and there's a picture on my blog page on DaveRyanShow.com that's this week, my weekend in five pictures for this week. Um, and I got the picture as he walked up and he's got a big genuine smile on his face because he was happy to see us just as we were happy to see the, him. Um, there were a couple of little, I don't know, just not bumps along the road, but just things that, that were kind of takeaways or an interesting story. I wake up in the middle of the night, he's staying with us at our hotel room. I wake up in the middle of the night about 1.40 on Saturday morning to a weird smell, and I was dreaming that the hotel was trying to poison us with poison gas because you know how your mind will like hear something and you're, it will think your alarm is something. So I was like, oh, my God, we're being poisoned. No, it was Carson vaping uh, in the middle of the night, and, uh, and I could smell it, and it had a very distinct vape smell. And I said, Carson, don't vape in here. So... He didn't say anything, but about 15 minutes later, as I'm laying there wide awake, I could the smell started to dissipate. And I told him the next day, I said, don't, don't vape in the hotel room. If you're going to vape, go out in the hallway. But isn't it just like a kid to think that their parents are dumb enough that they probably wouldn't smell it from eight feet away? So, so the next morning, 
we go to, it's parents weekend, so we go to some of the seminars. And some of the seminars and things he just wasn't really interested in. And so we're like, well, let's go to this one. Here's a music manager, producer, whatever, big wig, big shot. And he was really interesting, very charismatic. And you can tell this guy was one of those people that no matter what he did, he would succeed. He could own a photography studio. He could run a cell phone company and he would be successful at no matter what he did because he's that charismatic and magnetic. Well, he's a music producer, manager, whatever. And he's worked with really big names like Aerosmith and Kiss and, and a bunch of other huge names. One thing that he screwed up in his speech, and I forget the context of how he brought up Pokemon, but you and I know it's pronounced Pokemon, but he's 60 so he doesn't really know about Pokemon, so he assumes that it's Pokemon. If he sees it written down somewhere, he says Pokemon. And I was like, the whole crowd kind of tittered, like laughed nervously when he said Pokemon, and he thought they were laughing at the story. But we were laughing because it was kind of like, <laughs> it's not Pokemon, it's Pokemon. I took away something from that, and that is always try to figure out how something's pronounced if you're not sure. Um, especially in front of an audience that doesn't that already knows how it's pronounced. Example, here's a case in point. Years ago at another radio station here in town, hell, I don't care, I'll tell you, it was KS95, there was a morning show, Van and Cheryl. Wonderful people. I never knew Van. Cheryl is still a good friend of mine. When they were new, in about 1998 or so, they were talking about the U of MN. They're like, oh, yeah, I guess the U of MN. And they referred to the U of M as the U of MN. And right away, it made everybody go, well, they're not from here. They don't know. We used to have a traffic guy that was doing traffic from Chicago, and he would pronounce Larpenter, Larpentour. Yes, over on Larpentour, there's a backup on Larpentour. And it's like, dude, it's not Larpenter. Find out how things are pronounced before you say them in front of a bunch of people that know how it's pronounced. If you're not sure, don't say it. All right. Then he also said, your network is your net worth. And I'd never heard that before. I'd heard that your friends determine your luck, but I'd never heard it put this way before. Your network is your net worth. So he said, I only work with quality people. I made a rule in my life early on. I'm not going to work with people who are lazy, crooked, stupid, uh, arrogant, whatever. I'm going to work with good people. Your network is your net worth. So, And also he means, I think, network your ass off which is something that you know by previous podcasts that I've not done a good job at. And that's one of my things. If I was going to go back and do a do-over, I would network a little more, I think. So network, your network is your net worth. Hey, again, reminder, this podcast is all about things that we can learn something from. And I try not to be preachy, so I try to tell a story and make a point and tell a story and make a point. Uh, one more story and then a point. Um, uh, Carson's our last kid. He, he is um, uh, he went to college uh, left on August 31st and that whole couple of weeks leading up to it I was so sad I would think about him and I'd cry I'd look at him and I'd cry not like <laughs> but just tears and it was very hard and then somebody said stop thinking about it as sad and think about it as a happy exciting time for him and that flipped a switch in my mind and then I was able to think of it as happy even though I was sad so we go to college, we drop him off, and everybody is pretty happy. Carson, good luck. I love you, buddy. We'll see you in a few weeks. Have fun. We'll call you later to, you know, tomorrow or next week, and, and I love you, buddy, and smiles, and he ran off, and I can still see him running off with a big smile on his face with his two roommates to go to some event or party or something. Okay, 
So now here it is six weeks later at Parents Weekend, and we had a wonderful time, and it was so sweet, and it was so it was just so great and relaxed without that energy of the first weekend and the newness and the excitement. So when we left, he had tears in his eyes. I was doing okay. Susan bawled like a baby, and she did not bawl the entire time when we were there, when, you know, when he left the first time. So in the ride to the airport, I said, hey, how come you're crying so much this time? And she put it so well. She said, when we dropped him off a few weeks ago, it was all new and exciting and an adventure. And now I just miss him. And just that thought made me want to cry because she put it exactly right. Back then it was new and exciting and an adventure. And now it's just a matter of I miss my kid. And, uh, oh, my God, my voice is getting a little shaky thinking about it, but I thought that was really true. So one day when your kid goes to college or you you go to college um, uh, or you know somebody who's their, their kid or somebody's going to college, something to kind of think about. At the beginning, it's super new and exciting. After a while, you just miss them. So I reminded Carson, I said, this is your home now. This is your life. I said, this is where you belong for the next four years. So uh, don't be too sad about being away from home because this is your home now. Okay, a couple of other things. Uh, emails. Yes, let's get to the emails. Um, because last week we talked about something that was actually really interesting. Believe it or not, we talked about, um, let me find it here as I pull this up. We talked about um, the the triad, if you will, of success. And we talked about how it's um, effort, ability, and then attitude. And we said, hey, a lot of people have effort, but they don't have ability. So in other words, they're trying really hard, but they're not very good. Or they might have a great attitude, but they don't work hard. And you're like, well, how can that be the same thing? I used to work with a guy. I'll, I'll tell you his name, Crisco, when he worked at KWB. He had the best attitude. Everybody loved Crisco, but he didn't try. He didn't try. And we used to make a joke about how he had a, a trap door switch uh, in the studio, and whenever we'd say there's work to be done, Crisco would pull the trap door switch and disappear because Crisco did not like to work. And he's doing better now. He works at another radio station. He's doing fine. But that that's an example of some. And we loved him. We loved that kid like he was everybody's best friend. There's somebody with attitude and ability, but just not the effort. Then you get somebody who's got the ability but they've got an attitude. That's bad, too. So anyway, so we talked about this, and I got an email from Shannon who listened to the podcast. She says, hey, it's Shannon. Just listened to your current podcast. Want to drop a line about it. First of all, I got a lot to say about the whole then versus now thing, especially working in the public school system. Let me back up and be, before I finish the email. She's talking about how last week on the podcast, I had mentioned, well, why are things getting better? worse in our society in so many ways? Why are people more rude in our society now? Why are people more stingy and selfish? And why are people meaner and and more arrogant? And when you would think that over time, a, a culture, a society would get better. And I can't remember the exact examples I got, but how people used to like, oh, for example, kids used to never swear in front of adults. Now you'll hear a kid like, you know, like you'd be at the Mall of America waiting in line for a ride and somebody would say, hey, fuck you. No, fuck you. Right in front of you. And your kids. And it's like, well, wait a second. Wouldn't you think over time that our society would get better? But in many ways, it has not. So Shannon says, I think you're right. 
when you say it's because people have no shame. But I also think it comes down to accountability. No one is held accountable anymore. I think I say if I ever did that when I was a kid, I'd have my ass handed to me at least once a day. People just aren't held accountable for their actions anymore. This is where you're so correct about people being victims. Everyone is a blanking victim nowadays. Like, sorry, but maybe your kid's just an asshole. (laughs) I love it. Maybe you're struggling because you make poor choices. Take accountability for your life. People would rather blame anyone but themselves for the way their life turns out. I see it every day in the schools, literally every day. Now, I don't know if Shannon's a teacher or just volunteers in schools or an administrator or what. She says, if I say something like, my kids know better than to swear in front of their elders or whatever it may be, it's because they have consequences, not because they're any more or less privileged than the average kid. It's because they know what's expected of them and that there will be consequences. They don't meet those expectations. Anyway, sorry for the tangent, but I think so many people give too many others a pass just because it's easy. And don't get me started on the lazy, blanking parents who are afraid of giving their kids consequences because I could go on for days about that shit. Wow, Shannon is fired up. I love it. I think that's great. And I think that you're absolutely right. I think there's a difference between, you know, if somebody has got a criminal record a mile long and it's because they got a slap on the wrist, a slap on the wrist, a slap on the wrist, um, could it be because there were no consequences? Um, If some kid has gotten in trouble at school time after time after time and all they get is a note home, um, could it be because there's no consequences? I don't know. Then Shannon concludes by saying, Making Fallon come to work after the break-in was a dick move, but you know that, and obviously Fallon loves you very much. Anyway, great episode. I was nodding my head the whole time in agreement. That was a story about how Fallon's um, garage got broken into, and I said, I'm sorry, you got to get into work because that's more important. And I look back on that now, and I'm like cringing at myself for not being more sympathetic and understanding. Shannon says, have a great weekend. Thank you, Shannon. I appreciate you. Okay, next one. This is um, from Nathan, and Nate says, I had a couple of minutes this morning, thought I'd send you some thoughts on the podcast from last week. One of the classes I took in college that I loved was sociology. I loved learning about how society functions, and I was fascinated at why it works the way it does. You talked about the function of shame in society, and it reminded me of a topic that we had discussed early in class. Mores and folkways. I mean, I remember those from sociology class. They're the things that keep a society functioning that aren't law-based. For example, it's not illegal to talk on your cell phone while ordering food in a nice restaurant, but it's against a social norm. Folkways are norms for routine or casual interaction. That includes ideas about appropriate greetings and proper dress in different situations. Then there are mores, which refer to social norms that are widely widely observed and are considered to have great morals, greater moral significance than others. Um, mores distinguish the difference between right and wrong, while folkways draw a line between right and rude. Isn't that interesting? Mores, right and wrong. So, okay, I think a more would be like we don't cheat on our spouse. That's right and wrong. It's not illegal to cheat on your spouse, but one's right, one's wrong. While folkways draw a line between right and rude. Obviously, it's good to have these things to help society be civil and run as expected. Okay. Then the other thing Nate says we talked about was how we inherently believe people. And this is all based on the book that I read. Um, Well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't read it. It's an audio book. Um, I got it on Audible. It was called Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And 
the book is all about how we inherently believe people. That's our natural instinct is to believe people. Sometimes we believe them even when the evidence is right in our face that they're full of shit, but we keep believing them until we just have no choice but to not believe them anymore. So Nate says the other thing he talked about was in believing people. I think that, at least for most people, truth is our default because we're taught from the time we're small that the world is inherently good and you should trust people until they give you a reason not to. I think to not assume positive intent, you'd have to be raised in a situation that's dangerous where your basic needs aren't being met and you're fighting for survival. Otherwise, a parent's responsibility to love and nurture their child is predicated on the belief that you want them to see the world as a positive place. Otherwise, what kind of existence would you have? Uh, survival of the fittest, so to speak. And I think that's kind of true. I think there are people who grow up really cynical. I have a friend who's rather cynical, but also very kind and a wonderful person. But she grew up without, without such a great mom. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know where her dad is in the picture, but her mom was not her favorite person. And she's kind of cynical. And I think it's kind of a defense mechanism. It's like, oh, yeah, prove it to me. And I think that's her attitude is, oh, yeah, you tell me something, prove it to me, you bitch. Uh, instead of like, oh, you tell me something, I will take you at your word. And in the book, Malcolm Gladwell says, if you're going to have a world where we tend to believe people, that's much better than a world where we all tend to say, oh, yeah, prove it to me a bitch. Because can you imagine uh, if we were to say uh, to our son, where'd you find that dollar anyway? Oh, I found it outside. It was by the mailbox. If our attitude was, you are a little liar. You stole that from somebody. Wouldn't that be that's worse than believing him at face value? And that's not the best example. But anyway, I hope that makes sense to you. OK, let's see if there's something else here. We always do a book chapter and let's do that right now. So I'm reaching for the book. Take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, we've done enough podcasts that I know that we've hit some of these chapters at least once, maybe two or three times. But you know what? I think some of them are good to, to bring back and kind of relive a little bit. So here we are, chapter number six, Thank Your Parents. And there's no reason why I chose Thank Your Parents this time, except it's always kind of a good one. It's a little bit longer of a chapter. Let me read it to you, and here we go. Number six, Thank Your Parents. Appreciate your parents. They're not, as, they're not around as long as you wish they would be. My mom and I were pretty close when I was growing up. By pretty close, I mean I was a complete mama's boy. <laughs> she spoiled me rotten, and I considered her one of my best friends, right behind my cigarette and booze-providing buddy, Scott. Scott, I love you wherever you are. Haven't talked to you in years. My dad and I weren't close when I was a kid, mostly because he was the old-fashioned and strict sort of parent, and I was a little asshole, which I was. I can count on one hand the number of times he spanked me, but if he'd done it once a day, I tell you, I would have deserved it. Dad was my Boy Scout leader. He taught me how to shoot a gun and made me help butcher chickens every 4th of July while all the other Americans were splashing around in a lake and having a picnic. Growing up with a dad who made me work was a giant pain, and I completely hated it. I spent countless hours avoiding my dad by playing Kiss Records in my room, hoping he wouldn't come find me. I swear I could hear the sound of his cowboy boots approaching my room, even over the sound of Detroit Rock City. The door would open without a knock, which was my cue to turn that noise down. He would say, I got a whole, lo I got a whole lot of wood on the hill for you to cut up. My dad didn't mean I could do it sometime next week or after I was done watching the Dukes of Hazard. He meant now, and I suppose he'd allow some time for me to put my shoes on or maybe hit the bathroom first, but other than that, he meant now. 
I swear he would come to me with meaningless work just so I wouldn't get in the habit of sitting around too much. If he found me watching TV, he'd send me out to the hill behind our house to pick up sticks to use as kindling for the fireplace. Now, this was a totally unnecessary job because we already had a seven-story stack of kindling. And if I wasn't go, if I wanted to go fishing with my buddies, he made me do some mundane chore first. Well, sure, you can go, but there's a whole garden that needs weeding first, he would say. When I was 20 years old, I moved to my own apartment, and it was bliss. No more wood splitting, chicken plucking, or weed pulling Saturdays for me. No more answering to the old man. I remember he was a little sad when I put my last load of stuff into the car and told him goodbye, but I didn't care. I was free. Over the last 20 years, I noticed something. A lot of people are lazy. You've probably noticed this too. They do just enough work to keep them from getting fired. The whole work ethic thing that dad taught me started to pay off. While a lot of my coworkers muttered things like, they don't pay me enough to do that or that's my, not my job, people came to me to get things done because they knew I'd probably do it. Not only that, but I was pretty likely to do it right the first time. Mark Twain once said, when I was a boy of 14, my, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. I love that quote. It's the same with my dad and me. All the work and responsibility that I hated as a kid prepared me to succeed in life. Before I got a chance to thank my mom for spoiling me rotten, she slowly got dementia, and by the time I really wanted to thank her, she barely knew who I was. I hope somehow she knew how much I loved her and appreciated all she had done for me. I am certain she did. This is not in the book, but I feel confident. I'm certain she knows that somehow. About a month before my dad died, I thanked him for all the things he taught me and for all the time he spent with me when I was a kid. Dad was a man of few words. You're welcome, was all I got out of him, but that was enough. I'm glad I got to say it. So, thank your parents. Even if your parents are only 40 years old, thank your parents. Because you never know, and you'll never regret it. And I'm going to guess, knowing what a quality person you are, and if you have good parents, you've probably already thanked them. Thank them again. You don't have to overdo it. They get it. They know you appreciate it. But you know what? It sure is nice to hear a thank you for all the things that your parents did for their kids. Because, I mean, if you're a parent, you get this. You've done a lot. You made a lot of sacrifices. There was a lot of times when you would rather sleep late. But they had soccer. This week on the podcast, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Yeah.